You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. The title of the message is Leaving Bethesda. I want to ask you, have you ever been stuck? Anybody ever been stuck? Is there anybody in the house of God with me today? Has anyone ever been stuck? There's different ways of being stuck. And I was thinking about some of those ways. And my mind went back to, I had just uh, turned 17. And uh, by that time, I'd already tore up two or three of my parents' cars. And uh, I said, Mom, can I use, she had a little Volkswagen. And I said, Mom, can I, can I take that Volkswagen? I want to go deer hunting with a couple buddies of mine. And she said, don't tear up my car. And I said, I won't do that, Mom. And I started up Bingaman Road, Rocky, not too far past your house. And uh, John Barry lives there on the right. And there was a little one-lane bridge. And I had two guys in a Volkswagen, there's three of us, <laughs> in deer rifles and everything. And you know I was driving the speed limit, right? And the roads were icy, and it had a one-lane bridge. One lane, what does one lane mean? One lane. Well, I attempted to go across that bridge, and there was uh, another car on that lane. And uh, so I veered, and it had no guardrails, and I flipped mom's car down in the creek, and the water was about, I don't know, maybe six, eight inches deep, and I was upside down, in that Volkswagen, I was, uh, and the water was running through the car. I was what? Stuck. And I thought to myself, self, how are you gonna get out of this creek and get this car dried out? And mom and dad and all know, well, I was stuck. So then this thought came to my mind when I called mom and dad, my dad on the phone, he answered the phone honestly. He said, what'd you hit now? <laughs> so this thought came to my mind this morning, Mom and dad was stuck with me, right? Well, there was another way that I was stuck one time in my life. I took the church van. We had a nice customized van many years ago. My wife and both of our kids, and we had a, one of them fold-down TVs, and the kids, had, they, they was watching, I don't know, cartoons or something. And we got to Pittsburgh, and I pulled in a parking garage and they had that thing blaring inside, so I, I, I really didn't hear. But I don't know what the measurements were, but. <laughs> so I got in there about, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 feet. And I, I kept hearing something. I said, turn that down. And I could hear something above me. And I looked up and the roof was doing this. And I was what? I was stuck. Well, I remember the next, it was on a Saturday night. On the next morning, I came back to church. I said, I got good news and I got bad news. And I told them the bad news. And then I said, the good news is the Pittsburgh Pirates won the ball game. <laughs> and you'd have to be seven foot six to see the damage. So anyway, have, have, you, have you ever been stuck? Well, the stuck that I want to talk about this morning is not that kind of being stuck. It's kind of like being lodged between a rock and a hard place. A place in your life that it seems unable to escape. 
Have you ever been stuck in the muck of resentment? Have you ever done anything that you resented doing after you had done it? I believe it was Paul who said, I do the things I know not to do, and I don't do the things I know to do. Can anybody be honest and show me a hand? Have you ever done anything that you resented? You just look back and you say, God, why'd I do that? Stuck in resentment. Has anyone ever been bogged down in debt? Anybody? Anybody? Been bogged down in debt? You've got a lot of people lying right now. I thought about back in my early 20s, I ruined my credit. Bogged down in debt because I thought, you know, always going to have a job. Then they shut the coal mines down. Things kind of fall apart. Bogged down in debt, just stuck. Has anyone ever felt like you were stuck, that you was trapped in a dead-end career? Anybody? I am. <laughs> just joking. I love every minute of it. Has anybody ever been stuck with addiction? Be honest. Be honest. Anybody? Stuck with addiction? Well, here's my addiction. I've lost over 500 pounds. I've been stuck in addiction. I've lost over 500 pounds in the last 40 years. I lose 50, then I put 60 on. I've been goal driven, stuck in addiction. If I say I'm gonna lose 50 pounds, I'll lose 50 pounds, we go straight to call a Cessna's. <laughs> well, the kind of stuck that I'm talking about, the title of the message is Leaving Bethesda. For 38 years near the edge of the pool, it was just this man, his mat, and his paralyzed body. 38 years he was stuck. 38 years is how long I've been serving the Lord this year. This man was seriously and unquestionably, he was stuck. Stand with me for the reading of the word of God, please. And I pray that you would receive what the Lord has. I'm telling you, we got a crowd in the house today. Praise God. Come on, let's go ahead and bless the Lord, amen. Bless the Lord. I truly believe that whatever you're stuck in, you can be set free of that today. I believe that. There's things in my life that I need to be set free from. In John chapter five, verse one through five, after this there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda. Now I want you to visualize this. It had five porches, kind of like porticos. In these lay great multitudes of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool 
and troubled the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. I want you, after reading this scripture, I want you to visualize in your mind, this must have been a miserable sight. Uh, you think about the crowds of people and the kind of people that were there. The Bible instructs us that they were blind. They were lame, despondent, dejected. One after another, waiting for the chance to be placed in a pool where their healing waters would bubble up. The diseased and the ill, they are a picture of the world's desperate need. And you don't have to look too far to realize that this world that we are living in is in desperate need. It is a picture of those in the world who are gripped so tight by desperate needs. And I believe I'm standing in front of people today that has needs that have you gripped tight. So many in the world uh, are, are, are just uh, blind, uh, blind spiritually, uh, and they're withered spiritually. I wanna read Psalms chapter 31, verse 10. For my life is spent with grief. My life, you have one life. Do you wanna live your entire life spent with grief and my years with sighing? My strength faileth because of my iniquity and my bones are consumed, stuck. Do you wanna live your life that way? So the scripture teaches us there's five porticos were built to shelter the infirm from possibly the sun. Can you envision them? I mentioned Evelyn Tonkrium. When we would go to visit her in the nursing home, you can walk down the aisle of a nursing home and look in every door and get a glimpse of the pool of Bethesda. And it's troubling. More important, you can envision Jesus walking in amongst them at that pool. My goodness. I want to read to you out of Matthew 9 and 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them. There is a multitude here today. And Jesus is amongst us. But when he what? Saw you, 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 and me. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus sees and he knows every man's heart. He knows every condition. He knows every pain that is in this room today. He knows every fear. He sees every addiction. Nothing is hid from God. And he's offering help. He reaches out through the message, through the song, through the prayer, through the testimony, through his written word. He reaches out 
through your family, their witness, your friends. Lamentations 3 and 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. (laughs) What a compassionate Lord and Savior that we have that knows how troubled we are, knows how messed up we are, knows every dark secret in our lives, and he still loves us. Somebody give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Let me read that Lamentations 3 and Jeremiah. He he says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are what not consumed because his compassions fail not. Jeremiah saw one ray of hope in all the sin, in all the sorrow that was surrounding him. God's compassion never fails. So I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you've drifted away, no matter what shameful thing that you have done, God still loves you. God still cares about you. God unwillingly responds with help when we ask. When we ask. And oftentimes any pride keeps us from asking. Perhaps there's some sin in your life that you thought God would not forgive you of. Well, that is a lie from the devil because God is a compassionate God and he sent his son Jesus for my sin and for your sin. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Jesus was drawn to the hurting and there's people in this room that is hurting today. I've been a part of your life this week I know some of the people's pains and some of the people's sorrow. Jesus was drawn. And on that day, he was drawn to the pool of Bethesda on that day. On that day, it just come in, in my spirit. On that day, what if today would be your day? that the compassionate Lord was drawn to you. At that pool of Bethesda, there was multitudes of people, but there was one that had their day. Think about it. You're sitting in a room with multitudes of people and nobody knows your pain. Nobody knows what you're dealing with, but the Lord does. And what if he came and addressed you today? It was sad, a sad sight where most people would walk on by. The sight was so sad, but Jesus walked right to it. A lot of people will know your condition and walk on by. But we serve a compassionate God that said, I ain't afraid to get dirty. I'm not afraid to get dirty. Has God ever showed up in your situation? in your infirmity, in your secret, in your pain? Has God ever waded out into the mud and the mire and picked you up, cleaned you up, put your feet on the rock? Someone give him a hand and a shout of praise. So here's all these people, Scotty, all these people. And his eyes landed upon the man, the main character of the miracle, a man who had been sick for how long? 38 years. Years And Jesus asked him something. Jesus said, would you like to be healed? Would you like to be healed? Verse six, when Jesus saw 
him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He knew it. Don't miss that. When Jesus saw him lying and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? Verse seven, the impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. What an odd question to ask a sick person. Do you want to be healed? What an odd question. There's got to be more to that. 28 years I've been pastoring, 10 years before I was in ministry, 38 years I have visited hundreds of people that were sick and never once asked them, do you want to be healed? Now I've said to them multiple times, do you believe the Lord can heal you? Do you want to pray? But I never once said, do you? Want to be healed? That's like the guy when I was laying on the bathroom floor that showed up in the middle of the night emergency squad. Uh, what are you doing down there? <laughs> My wife would tell you, I looked, I said, I got tired, thought I'd take a nap. <laughs> Do you want to go to the hospital? I said, no, just let me lay here and die. <laughs> That's the same kind of question. 38 years he'd been sitting there and Jesus has the audacity to say, do you want to get healed? There's a reason. What an odd question. Why would Jesus pose such a question? Here it is, verse six. When Jesus saw him lie, and what? And he knew, bingo, that he had been now a long time in that case. He saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? The man was two years shy of four decades of being sick, 38 years. So I believe it was the duration of the condition that prompted Christ to ask this question, would you like to get well? Here, here's a thought. What do you think Jesus' tone was like? Do you think he was the compassionate shepherd? Well, Marvin, would you like to be healed today? Or do you think maybe he said, do you want, do you really want to be healed? Maybe he said something soft, but I believe his tone was a little bit jacked up. In other words, what's your problem? 38 years. I want to read to you the New Living Translation in verse seven. The man said, I can't, sir. You all heard me say at my house when my kids say, I can't, that means they don't want to. How many have said many times in your life, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Really? Really, I think the Lord's saying, really? 38 years? Nobody can help you? In 38 years, you couldn't get your way to the pool of Bethesda? 
I practiced this yesterday. <laughs> it might not be pretty. It's a visual of Shamu on the beach. Here's this man, 38 years. I can't get nobody to help me. Nobody cares. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? When you're dealing with the same issue for 38 years and you can't inch yourself to getting some help, right there's the pool. <laughs> right there it is. 38 years, sir, I can't, cause I ain't got nobody. The question the Lord asked him, do you want to be healed? Can I tell you, I believe it's the same question the Lord is asking some of you folk and, and me also, do you really want to be healed? I'm not talking just a physical healing. I'm not talking that. I'm talking mental. I'm talking financial. I'm talking anything that has got you stuck. If you really, really want to get healed, give God a hand clap and a shout of praise. 38 years, 38 years couldn't persuade somebody to help you. I got to thinking about that 38 years. He couldn't have stayed by that pool 24 seven. Somebody had to bring him there. He had to go to the restroom. He had to do something. We go where we wanna go. And we do what we wanna do. My goodness, 38 years, you couldn't persuade somebody to give you a hand, sir, that's what Jesus is saying. 38 years, 28 years, 15 years, you've been dealing with the same issue and you can't find somebody to help you, then you don't want help. Oh boy. That went over like a lead balloon. And I understand there's some things you will not be, I understand that. Please don't misread what I'm saying. Same old issues. In that context, Christ's question talk, it takes like a firm tone. Do you want to get well? Or do you like being sick? I'm reading between the lines here. He said, do you want to be healed? Or maybe he's saying, or do you really like to be sick? Because he's saying, you got a good thing going on here. Do you really want to be healed? You know, he had to, buy his food somehow, I'm imagining a tin cup begging. You got a good thing going on here. Shake that cup, somebody drops a coin, you go buy the beans. Do you really, really? Your tin cup collects enough coins for you because see, if you're healed, it'll disrupt your life. Hmm. Getting well means you gotta get up. Getting well means if you get up, you gotta get a job. Do you really wanna get well or would you rather wait on your stimulus check? Getting up means you gotta get a job. Get a job means you gotta get up in the morning and go to work. <laughs> Do you really wanna get well? 
Or would you rather stay here and let somebody else take care of you? I drove across Bridgeport Hill yesterday with my 91 year, year old aunt and every sign that I went by said help wanted. Help wanted, yeah. Now we gotta pay people an extra bonus to get them to go to work. Do you really wanna get well? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he ought to get off that. <laughs> so there's a question that Christ is asking all of us, do you really wanna get well? Do you wanna get sober? Do you want, do you really want, you've been saying for 10, 20, 30 years that you want to be sober? Go home, dump out your booze. Get somebody to help you. Call me and say, I need counseling. I'll send you to somebody else. Cause mine is admit it, quit it and forget it. Do you really want set free from them drugs? Then swallow your pride and call me. Call Pastor Rita, call Pastor Aaron, right on down the line. Get a hold of the doctor, do you really? Want to get off those prescription medications that you are abusing? Do you really want to be well? Or would you rather just sit by the pool of Bethesda with all of your life in grief and let the devil take your life one day and one pill and one drink at a time? You don't have to because the physician, Jesus, is in the house and he'll walk right up to you and he will set you free. Get some help. Get some help. Somebody say, get some help. I'd like to have some help right now. It's called air condition. Kick that puppy on. You need some help. Do you really want to be healed? That's the question. Do you really want to be solvent? Do you really want to get a place, a place in your life that you can pay your own bills? Do you not get tired of asking somebody else to help you? Then get a plan. That's what I'm saying, get a plan. It, the plan starts by getting a job. And then the plan goes to the next level, getting out of bed, and then going to work, and then getting a debt counselor to help you and learn God's principle. Do you really want help or would you rather somebody else help you? Oh my goodness, that's not going well. Do you want to get better? So many people stuck in the past, stuck in the past. Do you wanna get well? Do you wanna get over your past? Do you want to get beyond your upbringing? 40 years old, 50 years old, still talking about the way you was brought up. That's not gonna change, it already happened. But I'll tell you what can change, your thought process. Amen. Have you not been sick in that condition long enough? Have you not been held captive in that abusive household long enough? We heard it earlier, he who the son sets free is free indeed. And I believe there's a pool of Bethesda in the house today and the waters are troubling and you just got to get into the water and the water is up and down every aisle. You don't have to be the first one in, you can be the last one in and God will heal you. Get some help. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Somebody bless him. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise. Don't dwell on the past. 
Let go of the past guilt and look forward to what the Lord has for you in the future. Realize that you are forgiven and then move on in life, a life of faith. Do you want to get well from the past? Listen to this, Philippians chapter three, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. He said in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Is there anyone in the house, anyone that would like to leave Bethesda in the rear view mirror? Driving out of here, looking in your rear view mirror, waving at your disease, of your sickness, of your sin, of your troubles, and of your pains. Would you like to look in the rear view mirror one last time and see him gone, see him leaving you? I believe we're in a place where the Lord can do that today. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Are you ready for a new day? Amen. I said, are you ready for a new day? Amen. I wanna ask you again, are you ready for a new day? Lamentations chapter three, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not what? Consumed because his compassions fell not. I read that earlier, but listen to verse 23. They are new what? Every morning and great is thy faithfulness. Every single morning is a new day with the Lord. And when I messed up yesterday, Rusty, when I fell short yesterday, and I wake up in the morning with a brand new day and I say, Lord, forgive me. And he blots that out and he cleanses me and he gives me a brand new day, which is a gift of God. You don't have to get up today in the same sin that you was in yesterday. You can walk before the Lord and you can ask him to forgive you and he'll wipe it away. He'll give you a clean slate. He'll give you a new gift, a new morning every day. He is Jehovah. Over God, he is almighty, he is able, and he's willing. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise this morning. Psalms 118 and 24, are, are you strong enough to stand with me for another five, 10, 15, 20? Stand with me, I promise not to be long. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Do you wanna get stronger? Do you want to get healthier? Do you want to be happier? Psalms 118 and 24, this is the day. Somebody say, this is the day. Which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There are days when the last thing we want to do is rejoice. I'm being honest. There's days when I don't want to come to this platform because I'm not in the mood. There's days it seems like our situations are out of hand. I'm just being real with you. There's days that our sorrow and grief and our guilt, guilt is overwhelming. So why don't we just be honest with God? Why don't you be honest with God when you're having that day? Because God already knows, Linda. He knows and he's not shocked. And as you talk to God, your prayers 
will end in praise. When you say, God, I, I messed up. And God, I'm sorry. And God will take that guilt and that grief. He'll, he'll turn it into praise. <laughs> God will give you a reason to rejoice. So I said, are you ready for a new day? I'm going to ask you another question. Are you ready for a new way? A new way. A new day will bring a new way. Proverbs 14 and 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Is your current way of life killing you? Is your current way of life killing you spiritually? Is it stealing and killing your peace and your joy? Are you ready to get unstuck? Unstuck means set free, pride loose, dislodged, unshackled. Are you ready to be let go? Life feels stuck when you're making no progress. When 38 years, you're stuck right here. Stuck right here. How long are you going to be stuck? How long are you going to be stuck? Got some hang-ups. Got some habits. This is how we fight our battles. This is what we sang earlier. When you battle the same discouragement that you faced a decade ago, when you battle the same fear that you faced a year ago, then you're stuck. And that's where the enemy wants you. Psalms 34 and 4, the psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from what? All my fears. Jesus said in John 14 and 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, I gave you peace. You and I got to receive it. And we got to fight some battles to keep it. When Bethesda becomes a permanent mailing address, 38 years, I was going to pitch a little tent here, but I didn't want to cover up our new pretty screen. When you pitch a tent and you stay there, you're stuck. Some of you have been divorced. You say, Pastor, this is church. It happens. And some of you are stuck in the pain and they done moved on. And the enemy, your battle's not with them. We heard her talk about it. And the enemy has given you a permanent zip code of divorce. And you just can't get unstuck. And I could go on and on and on. When you get to the place you feel like the man 30, nobody can help me. That's a lie from the devil. If this is you, then pay attention to the promise of this miracle because when Jesus walked into the pool of Bethesda and there was multitudes of people, he seen one. He seen one. And he approached that one and he sees you today. This Bethesda of your life, it makes you avoid people and it makes other people avoid you.
Jesus walks directly toward this man in the midst and he says in John 5 and 8, stand up. New Living Translation. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Stand up means do something. Do something. Take action. Apply for the job. Call the counselor. Take some kind of radical action. He says, stand up. Then he says, pick up your mat. Means break loose, make a clean break from the past. I would almost bet there's people in this room that won't talk to somebody else in this room because of a problem of the past. And it should not be that way. Make a jailbreak today. Clean out your liquor cabinet. Some of you want to refresh mine, go home and throw out and burn your trashy novels that you're reading. You really want help? Get rid of the trash that you're reading. Pick up the Word of God. You want a a book full with thrills and romance? There's some pretty steaming stories in here. Pretty hot. Pretty hot. Some of you want a great future? Kick that boyfriend to the curb like a bad habit. Or that girlfriend that treats you like a dog. Well, once we get married, things will change. Yes, you're exactly right. It'll get worse. Huh? Do you really want to be healed? Kick him to the curb. Wow. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go. Go means walk. Sometimes you gotta gotta change your shoes. Sometimes you gotta get some boots on cause you're headed for some rough terrain. Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And you know what? Down these aisles is not really rough terrain. Heed the invitation of the miracle because Jesus believes in you. He believes in you. Do you believe in him? Do you believe that he's able to heal you? Do you really want your marriage to be better? Do you want your marriage to be healed? Then man, grab your woman here in a little bit and come to an altar. Because you're stronger than you think. Because the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God is in me, I can do anything. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He believes in you. Maybe your mom didn't believe in you. Maybe your dad, maybe your family, maybe your spouse, maybe your teacher never believed in you and always put you down. But God believes in you. He said, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an unexpected end. He gave it to the man at Bethesda in John 5 and 9 and immediately the man was made whole. Wouldn't it be awesome to walk out of here today with your relationship whole, with your mind whole? Let's ask the Lord a question. What can I do today that will prepare me tomorrow for a better day? 
What can I do today? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Just being an attitude of prayer, why don't you ask the Lord that question, Lord, what do I need to do today to make tomorrow a better day? You know the things in your life that needs to go. You really want help? He's here. The first invitation is for those that possibly have never asked Jesus Christ into their hearts. If you're here this morning and you have never prayed and asked Christ into your life, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If death would knock at your door and you're not prepared for eternity, hell will be your eternity. Right where you're at, if you'd like to pray, right where you're at, I'm not gonna come to you, I'm not gonna drag you down. Slip up your hand and say, Pastor, today, I wanna give my life to the Lord. I want a total healing spiritually. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? I'm not going to tarry long. Is there one? Is there one in the house? Then every head up and every eye open, if my prayer team would come forward. We've prepared for this service. There's somebody across the front of every section. Here's my question. Do you really want to be healed? Do you want to be made whole no matter what in your, is going on in your life at all? It doesn't matter. Financial, anything, anything. Would you come? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. 